Hello and welcome to Poet Delayed Podcast. My name is Scott Edgar and I am the host. Um, I'm here today with uh, Jason Small, a good friend of mine. He's one of my, um, I would say, longest active friends because I've, I met him in 1995 and we were on a softball team together. That's right, Steve Henderson, uh, adult softball. Yes. Yeah, quite the team we had. Yeah, I remember I got pop-up fly ball. I don't know if you remember this, but <clears throat> I was playing second base. Pop-up. I was kind of nervous because I didn't want to drop it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, the ball came down, hit my mitt, and bounced off. I spun around with my mitt upside down, and the ball landed in my mitt. I do remember that. You came up to me, and like you were just blown away at my athletic ability. It was it was amazing. Yes. Because if that ball had fallen on the ground, you would have been on the bench. Well, we would have lost by like 20 instead of 21. Instead of 21, yeah. which we routinely did. Yes, we did. Because the teams we played were... Uh, Professionals. We'll just say that. Professionals, yeah. yeah. That's we'll why we that. lost. That's why we lost. Yeah, but long time, my friend. Yes. Long time. So we are here, and he. I'm actually in Las Vegas right now. I am on location. I came down yesterday so that uh, we could watch the Elvis movie, the new Elvis movie. He and I are big Elvis fans, and that was a great movie. And if you stay tuned, we are planning on doing an Elvis movie review, so look for that to be posted. Uh, and now that I've mentioned that, we have no choice but to do it. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's do, we're going to do it. Let's do it. So anyway, and he. So we've been friends for a long time, and um, I'm grateful, glad to have him here. It's been fun hanging out with him. Um, he said he's going to crack wise occasionally, and I told him just make sure that they're funny. And so you, whoever's listening, that's, that's the rule. Will be the judge of whether it's funny or not. If I'm not funny. I'm not coming back. That's true. Yeah. That's so, true. But yeah, we uh, we go back uh, a very very long way, and I'm grateful for your friendship as well. And and, uh, and I stayed here in Vegas. I, I took a little detour to Phoenix years ago, but came back. And I'm a father of four boys. Uh, I work in the biotech sector. And uh, but uh, glad to be on the show. And thank you for having me. Yeah. yeah well, I, you're not getting paid though. You know that. Oh wait. What? Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh. Did my people not contact your people? No, your, your people uh, made it sound like there was some kind of compensation. Well, they're all fired. They're all fired. All right. We'll, yeah. we'll settle that after. I'll stay. I'll, I'll, I'll remain your friend. Thank you. Compensation? Okay. Okay. I'll Sounds good. That. All right. Okay. Well, <laughs> so the poem I'm doing today, it's called Besieged. Um, I wrote this a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, maybe. And you know, I mentioned in my first episode that sometimes poems just kind of fall in my head. This is a very short one, and it just fell in my head one day. And it really expressed things that I was kind of feeling and expressing. But the poem reads, Possibilities march on my walled city of certainties and lay siege. And when I, I, I wrote that and I looked back and I, <clears throat> I actually initially had questions march on my walled city of certainties and lay siege. And I thought... I flipped back and forth between questions, possibilities, questions, possibilities, and, and ultimately I thought, you know, what's marching on my walled city of certainties aren't questions, but rather possibilities in the sense that I've lived my life, well, I'm in this, you know, I, I envisioned my life, well, let me, let me say it this way. So growing up, I felt like I needed that structure. I needed these certainties whether they were true or not, I, I didn't even consider that. I just wanted something that I felt like I could rely on. Mm-hmm. And that 
I mean, I needed that at the time. And so that, that enabled me to, I think, uh, survive and make it day to day. But in doing that, I cut out a lot of possibilities, a lot of other ways to, to do things. Like I had one lens that I viewed everything and I, and I was scared to switch lenses. I was, I was scared to look at things the other way. But in the last couple of years, I, last, in the last few years, I've really started to step back and kind of view these things in my life, not to get rid of stuff necessarily, but just like, okay, I need to get this bird's eye view of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And as I've done that, I see other possibilities that aren't necessarily contradictory with um, these other things that I considered certainties. And, but I, I've cut them out, not even considered them. And as a result, I've, I feel like there are things that I have missed out on in my life. And now, I, as I look at these possibilities, you know, it's like they are it's siege warfare on this wall city of certainties. And I used to be terrified of anything that looked to bring down my yes, walls. was contrary to anything. Yes, and so I would avoid it. So I'll say this, because I, I don't even know that you mentioned the title of the poem, which is Besieged. I pretty much did, but... Did you? Yeah, I did. I'm pretty that. sure of it. No, I did. All right. I'm a rookie. Sorry. It's all right. Um, when I saw this, and you, you presented two options to me, and when I saw this, I immediately gravitated toward it. Um, it, it, it. It spoke to me because your experience with your childhood is similar to mine, but I think for, for different reasons. When I was a kid, I grew up uh, severely asthmatic, and uh, so everything I did was, was limited, right, physically. And so I grew up in a kind of a, uh, a, a boundary-filled childhood, right? Full of things that mm. I could not do. Right. Um, and my, my parents, uh, you know, my dad was a teacher. Doesn't, teachers don't make uh, a whole ton of money. Um, they can do okay, and it's, it's a wonderful profession. And I'm very, very proud of my, my father being a science teacher. But money was scarce growing up. And so I grew up kind of in this construct of, I'm limited physically and we're limited monetarily. And uh, to add to that, my mother uh, was a sort of kind of adopted a victim mentality with that and, and really hated on people who were successful. So, mm. so add to that, um, her disdain for people who did well <laughs> very vocally. And so growing up thinking, uh, well, maybe I should think less of these successful people. Um, these are things that I can't do. Um, these are things we can't afford. And so I had this, th- these, these boundaries and these, these uh, constraints that I think led to what you consider the you know, walled city of certainties, right? And, and as I grew up, I began to challenge that. Or I should say things began to challenge that, right? So when I, when I read this and the possibilities march, I thought, man, this is so personal to me because I know what that feels like. I know when, when I was, was a teenager and I decided I don't want to be this asthmatic kid that's carrying around an inhaler and can't do things. You know, I wanted to play baseball really, really bad uh, in, in high school. Wait, wait, wait. You couldn't play baseball because of asthma? Oh, yeah. It was that bad. I was hospitalized twice. Yeah, that's bad. It's bad. It's if bad. you're going to play, if you have asthma, I would think the one sport you could play, one sport you could play would, would be baseball. baseball I guess. Well, it'll just stick you in right field. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, put me in right field, you know, uh, 
Make me a favor. Give me a, a pinch runner if I get on base. Yeah. I mean, we can we can make this work. So anyway, I uh, I was determined to to be able to make that to make that work and then to overcome that obstacle and overcome that limitation of of, uh, of asthma in my life. And so for me, that was a a, a breakthrough moment. Um, a year later, we were on a, uh, a youth trip. We were up in the Great Basin National Park, and uh, a group decided to go climb Wheeler Peak. So I went with them just to go because I didn't want to be left behind, but I had no intention of climbing Wheeler Peak. I had, there's no chance I was going to be able to do it with, uh, with my asthma, asthma situation. And um, I get about three quarters of the way up. I look down on the valley. It looks incredible. It looks amazing. I look up and I think there's no chance I'm getting up there. Uh, but I, I just, I felt that, that just nagging uh, sense of, I, I knew that I would regret if I don't do this. And so once again, I challenged that and I, I soldiered on and, and, and eventually made it up, up to the summit. And that was a defining moment. And so- Did you still have problems with asthma after that? Uh, I had a, I had problems with asthma until my into my early twenties. Hmm. Most most kids outgrow it into their early teens or maybe late teens. But for me, it was it was my early twenties. I went on a mission, went on a mission to Arizona, um, and uh, even had issues with it then. So 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 just growing up again with the limitation, with that feeling of limitation of these are things I can't do, was kind of a theme for me when I was younger, and it's something that. As an adult, I've railed against now. Like I actually, I make it a point to try to outdo those things. And, to, and when it, there is a challenge that I feel like I can't do, I'm now more motivated to try and do that thing or overcome that that, that challenge. Well, let me ask you this. So, because I, I get what you're saying, I mean, and I think that's always a good thing to do. But are, are there are there things that you feel like? Um, are there certain things that you evaluate on whether or not you're going to um, make an effort to overcome a challenge? Because I, I think there are things that maybe we're not ready to challenge yet. Maybe we're not ready to face it and maybe we're not ready to take it on yet and we need to just kind of wait or, or it's just going to be how it is. Are, is there something that you do personally? Is, is there a way that you evaluate these things? You know, because let me tell you what I do, like, and, and I know I just busted that question on you and you weren't expecting it, and I see you're thinking hard about it. I don't, like, when I have issues, there are things that, like, for, like, like for instance, when I was, like, I moved up to, I don't know, probably 1998. I, was, I took a philosophy and literature class. And that was an exciting class for me because I had all these ideas, reading these books, I had these ideas coming to my head that I'd never really considered before. Or I'd never really been in a position where I, I couldn't just not face them. And so there's these, these philosophical ideas that were raised and I'll tell you, my mind, I felt like it was expanding. And I felt like, I felt like whole, like this is where I need to be. 
But in addition to that, it terrified me because some of these ideas, these philosophies, some of these things like struck at what I consider to be my certainties. Mm -hmm. And at that point in my life, I don't know that I had, so I was probably uh, 23 maybe, yeah, 23, 24. At that point in my life, I still needed, I didn't, I don't feel like I had the emotional stability to challenge mm -hmm. those feelings inside of me. And so the, the need for that certainty, I needed that external structure. That's mm -hmm. what I, how I would define it, is, is it was this ready-made structure that um, gave me meaning. Mm -hmm. And I needed that at that point. And so I guess for me, the way I, 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 you know, how I would approach that is when I am faced with something like that, and I'm, I'm much more thoughtful about things like that now than I was then. I, I have a different understanding, different outlook. But I, I guess I just go like, is it, I, I, I analyze it, is this going to destabilize me? Mm -hmm. You know, is this going to cause me to um, go backwards? I mean, right. there's always a step back. So I think, I think, I think to your question, and I apologize for my pause, that I was trying to, to, to put into, put my thoughts into words, but I think what it is for me is I always I've always had the attitude of of being open to new ideas, mm -hmm. no matter what they are, <clears throat> and even if they're contrary to my walled city of certainties or my construct or my belief system. Right? Is let me entertain what you are proposing. Let me entertain your premise, and let me and let me test that premise and let me challenge it. And if my belief system is correct and is right and then it should stand up to that and it should stand the test of that. But I welcome ideas. I welcome new areas of thought. And I think that that openness was, I think, what lent me to um, being able to, whether it was overcome asthma, not be the kid walking mm -hmm. around with an inhaler in my pocket all the right. time, or overcoming you know, the feeling of, of the constraints as a kid, which I'm sure many of us and many of your listeners probably grew up in, in households that, uh, you know, might have had financial challenges or, or, or some kind of limitation. And I think that's the thing is that the, the, having that, that kind of that theme of my childhood being limitation is being open to ideas, being open to new areas of thought and not just patently rejecting them because they, they don't mesh with my belief system or having that walled city and just the wall just repelling anything that, that comes your way. Um, if you think about, you know, the title being besieged, and you think about sieges in history, and when you think of, and this is the other thing about your poem that, that struck me, is because the connotation of a siege or being besieged is negative, right? It's, right. It's, it's, it's antagonistic. You're about to be conquered. You're about to be conquered, right. Enslaved. Enslaved. And so I love that because actual, when you, when you look at the context of the poem, it's the opposite. It's an opportunity, right? It's possibility. And I love that because in history, you think of, you think of sieges in history that change the course of history for the better. And there are several of them. I, 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 I'm not a huge history uh, aficionado. I mean, I love history, but I, I, I can't quote a whole lot of history. What, one, I, one that comes to mind, I know 
was uh, Civil War, Siege of Vicksburg, mm. um, which helped turn the, the tide of the Civil War. And, um, and, and you look at the outcome of that, it's positive, yeah. right? And so um, another example that comes to mind is, is, is Rome, the Roman Empire, when they'd come on onto uh, another you know, city-state or, or civilization or little town, whatever, you know, them conquering the areas that they did, uh, you know, is arguably a good thing. Arguably turned out in a, in a positive light. It furthered education, it furthered government, it furthered engineering. All of those things that contributed positively to humankind as a result of being besieged. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think like, on, on a personal level, like... You know, because when I think about, and this goes right along with what you're saying, because when when we're isolated, when we isolate ourselves in a city or in some ideology, let's say, mm -hmm. then we don't grow. We don't. We we are. I mean, you see that in politics all the time. You'll see I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat or I'm a Trump guy, which can be considered, I think, its own subset of Republicanism. For sure. I'm a Trump guy, and, and so, or, or I'm an anti-Trump guy. I mean, there's two sides of everything. Yep. And when you wall yourself off like that, there is no progress. And personally then, you have no progress because you turn a deaf ear to any differing idea. And, and, and I get it, like I said earlier, I get it because I was terrified to entertain anything that might... Um, might undermine what I had because that was what I needed. And, and I see that in other areas too, not just in like ideas, not just in belief systems, but like even like fears of like being afraid. Like I remember being afraid to like open a credit card bill because I didn't want to know how much it was. I was afraid of it. <laughs> I'm still afraid of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was afraid of it or, or just like waiting for in a, Waiting for an important like um, an letter like Godot. who Godot 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 um, will somebody fact check that for me because I don't know what he's talking about <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's a play and uh, on it is, so it's a play waiting for Godot it's a play and as it kind of fits into this I guess possibly is the whole premise of the play is these two gentlemen are waiting for a guy by the name of Godot who never shows up. But the whole play takes place with these two guys waiting for Guffman, waiting for this guy, waiting for Guffman or waiting for Godot, waiting for Godot. Oh, the waiting for Guffman similar. Well, could be. Christopher, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. So, but but the idea again is 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 we're we're stuck in our ideologies, or yeah. we're stuck in our constructs, and I think that's the thing that to me is is how I I guess if I were to put myself in a box and if I were have two boxes I think I think we as humans tend to want to be um, to be in a const construct or to be to be in a, in a very um, organized and, and very structured um, a place or you live more in the abstract you live a little bit more in the I guess maybe the creatives or, or whatever you want to call it and I I think that I'm, I'm somewhere, if, if I'm a Venn diagram, I'm somewhere in the middle of the two where I appreciate uh, 
the structure. I appreciate the, the construct, appreciate the predictability, but I want those abstracts and I want those other yeah. ideas and I want that that uh, those those different things to come into my life, those unexpected things maybe to come into my life, or those discoveries. And I think that's one thing for me is I, I, I you know I work in healthcare and I see a lot of aging patients, I see a lot of geriatric patients uh, coming in and out of, of, of medical centers uh, every day. And you, you see these folks and a lot of them, their whole life, all they do is go to the doctor and that's really it. They're at home all day, they go to the doctor and they treat their conditions and that's the bulk of their life. And it's, it's, it's really sad and it's really disappointing to, to see and I think about how do you avoid that? How do you avoid being in such a, having such a narrow scope of life? You know, well, obviously, first of all, you have to think about your health, but I think a, a huge part of, of us growing as human beings and us maintaining that, that zest for life or, uh, you know, finding new, new ideas is discovery. It's just discovery. It's whether that's reading books, uh, you know, whether that's, you know, seeking out a, an artistic slant that you might have, whatever it is, but I think discovery is, is, is a huge part of that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I wonder, what are your thoughts on... Why... why uh, I have an idea, but I'm, curi I'm curious to your thoughts. Like, can you think... Like, why do you think um, we have maybe an aversion too welcoming. I, I think, well, I shouldn't, uh, for me, I, I mean, I've got an avert, I, I, it's not as much anymore. In fact, it's, I feel like it's, I'm opening up a lot. But what is it that, that uh, lends itself to that aversion? Why are we averse to being open to new ideas? What are your, do you have some thoughts on that? I, I do. I'm just wondering before I put it out there, I'm, I'm interested if you have any thoughts. Oh, I think there's so many. I think there's so many reasons. And I think, uh, I mean, I, I've gone through some changes myself. I've, I've had ideological shifts. I've had shifts in my belief systems. I've had shifts in my opinions on uh, political issues or any number of things. And I think part of when I think about when those changes happened and what prompted them to happen and how I felt before I had that change of heart, or as was considering this shift, I think that the fears are, am I gonna, number one, I think, am I going to hurt someone else's feelings? Or am I going to let someone down? Am I gonna disappoint someone, right? Um, much of the time, our belief systems tend to be shared with the people who we're closest to, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so, am I now going to be excluded or am I going to disappoint them? Am I going to let them down? Am I, is my friendship or my relationship with that person going to be damaged because I no longer, my, my belief system no longer aligns with theirs completely. And so I think that's huge. I think that's a, that's a and I think the other part of it, and, and this was something that I've gone through personally, is, um, is an identity crisis. Okay. Right? I mean, if you identify or have your whole life as something, or as this thing, or as this label, or in this construct, or this belief system. Now this is changing. And now the, the fundamental question is, who am I? Who am I now? And that's, it's scary. 
It's it's, yeah. it's it's terrifying for people. And I think so. A lot of times, I think people maybe reject these possibilities that we're talking about for that very reason. Is but it, it not only does it not align with my values and, and beliefs in this, but it doesn't align with my identity, with who I am, because. I can't be anything else. This is who I am. I can't be anything else. And that's what I, th I think is, it's kind of frustrating and, and kind of sad is that, is that you can, you can be, I don't want to say something else, but you can, you can have those change. You can have those shifts and, and, and it doesn't, it doesn't change your value as a human being. It doesn't change your value, yeah. your worth as a person. And hopefully the people that you're closest to will accept you and and uh and love you as is but i i think that's the biggest part of it is the identity identity crisis i think that and that, that's exactly what i was thinking is i think for me the difficulty is not having uh, um not being founded in myself you know like the first episode i quoted that e.e cummings may i be i is the only prayer not may i be good or great mm -hmm. and and for me as, as i've started to come to this like i have intrinsic value it's not negotiable to the people. So um, I'm able, so what that's done is that's opened me up to where, all right, I'm willing to entertain, use your word, I'm willing to entertain these other ideas because I am, um, I'm immutable. I'm not changing, I am who I am. Now, and that's why I'm like, okay, give me that lens. Let me look through this lens. What does this look like? You know, this, these experiences I had, What's it look like through this lens? Yeah, I don't like that. Let me, I don't like, oh, I like this lens, you know, or I'm going to go back to my original lens, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think it's important to accept those things because, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I don't know the answer to. Um, and I've, I've only followed certain paths because that's, those were the paths that were given to me. Mm -hmm. And rather than going off and finding my own path, which is hard to do and scary to do. It's just been easier to hunker down. I'm mixing all these metaphors to hunker down behind my walls mm -hmm. and find refuge there. But there is absolutely no personal growth. And in, in more, I mean, the personal growth, but also think of all the beautiful things you miss staying inside your walls the you miss so many ideas you you know i've been reading a lot of um philosophy uh, philosophy books lately i've been reading yeah i've been collecting a library for i don't know last 20 plus years and i just started i just a few years ago i thought you know what I probably i'll start reading these books <laughs> and so i've been i've been reading a lot of these books and two or three at a time and oh there's so much good literature out there that exposes you to so many good ideas and and maybe that's kind of what's softened me I'm, I'm sure that that's had contributed to it because it's it's resonating with me this poetry is resonating with me I've been reading um, you know a lot of existential philosophy lately Nietzsche and um, um, he's a Dutch guy Kierkegaard and uh, or Danish rather Kierkegaard and, and uh, Albert Camus and these guys, the ideas that they're proposing to me, I mean, they're they're in line with the, uh, they are in line with what we're talking about now. But I just think, yeah, that it like it 
it clears fog from my head. And I'm just thinking, wow, this is what I need because it, what it does is it gives me um, something to compare what I've considered my truths. It gives me something to compare them to. Like, okay, oh, I can measure them now. There's a, there's a, I mean, if you only have one point of reference, you can never measure that point of reference. You need multiple points of reference to measure your point of reference. And by getting these other ideas, and, and that's, the, that's the besiege, that's, those are the possibilities. And I've always been scared to bring them in, but now that I've been reading, so I think that's a good way to do it, is just to start read. I mean, if someone is scared to um, consider possibilities, and I'm not telling anybody to, you have to go out and do this. I mean, this is something that is a very personal decision. And people need to do it when they feel like they're ready. I wasn't ready back in 98, so I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm ready now for sure. Maybe I would have been ready earlier. But I think a good way to do that is, and maybe you have some suggestions as well, I think a good way to do that is just to start reading. Reading like the books, I always say that I think you can find so much more help in like the books that have stood the test of time than you can through all the self-help books. You know, go read East of Eden. Go read, um, you know, um, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, you know, there's, and there's something about the, the written word, and I'm not a huge consumer of books, and um, right now I'm an MBA student, and so everything I'm reading is very, very boring and mundane business-related stuff that I don't want to read. Um, and... Uh, you know, but I think, and I'll say this, I think, I think people will relate to this, right? So <laughs> when you sent me the poem choices, your other one uh, was a normal sized poem, if, if you will. And this one was super short. Huh? I like the short one. I want the short one. Give me the short one. You like and, short stuff. Of course. Yeah, yeah I like short stuff. Uh, we'll there. <laughs> hey. Uh, but, uh, in, you know, in high school, that's, that's a, that's a kid's high school poem dream, man. Three lines. Come on. It's even, it's even looks like a haiku. That's perfect. Um, what I, again? What I was just—I was so taken aback by how much there was between the lines. But as an example, it's not that you—you you don't have to read 400-page books. You don't have to read giant novels. You don't have to read *War and Peace*. You don't have to read uh, Tolstoy. You don't have to read Ayn Rand. It, you know, little Dostoevsky be good. Um, but you know, it's just expand your knowledge. You know, t uh, watch one less show. Put down the fiction for for a minute and, and pick up some nonfiction. Pick up some, whether it's uh, I'm a huge biography fan. I love biographies, and I, I I feel like even though you're reading about someone's life, you learn so much. And one person I know for me that's been super inspiring was Teddy Roosevelt. And mm -hmm. Ryan, your, your previous guest, talked about that. Um, been a huge inspiration to me. He's my favorite president, and and he was a kid that I related to as a sickly kid, as a limited kid. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He grew up in this construct of limitation, and his whole life was spent absolutely railing against that, right? He was just challenging himself in so many different ways to, to grow and uh, to grow as a person, to experience things, to experience life, um, and it's super inspirational. My second favorite speech of all time is Man in the Arena. Um, if, you haven't, if you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend it. Do you have it memorized? I do not have it memorized. I need to work on that. Okay, well. Maybe it's, it's not the critic that counts. Yeah, there, that's it's all you Jesus, need. All it is the man <laughs> in the marina. That's right. The man in the just mud and the blood and the tears. Oh, that's Johnny sweat Cash. And blood. Yep. The mud and the blood and the tears. That's right. Um, yeah. So another th another thing that I think is is helpful is for me has been to talk to people and 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 to listen to people. 
I, I've, I'm starting to pick up the habit when I'm talking to people of just listening to what they're saying and asking questions. And afterwards, I will spend time thinking about what they said and working those arguments through my head. Mm-hmm. Like, does that add up? Rather than being in a conversation and starting to debate a point, mm-hmm. I don't like to debate points anymore. I like to listen and ask questions. And give me everything that you know I won't give you anything I know. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. And no, but listen and ask questions. And then later, I mean, think about it I mean, and, and go read about it. You know, that's a good thing about, I mean, to nowadays, I'll, I'll tell you a great, if you want to like go and, and just get started into like philosophical ideas, just go to YouTube and, and just Google an idea that you have. And they have like videos, like five to 20 minutes long that will expound these complex points now i mean you can have to go deeper than that if you really want to get into it but it'll give you a good primer and there's so much information out there for us uh but there's still the fear mm-hmm. the fear of actually letting it in and i think you mentioned i think you said it where you came to a point where like you had to do it you know i mean it was and i felt that too where i i, I came to a point where i like okay um i can either like uh, just completely enclose myself and never get out and like commit 100% to where, you know, maybe later, maybe later I'll be able to break out, but it's, it's a, like a full commitment and I'm giving stuff up or I can start like reevaluating. I can step back a little bit and start looking at things. Well, we live in a world now where it's so... It, it's so convenient now. It's so easy for people to to go what, either way, really. If you want to live in your walled city, it's really easy to do. And in fact, you you can you can get all of the support to stay in your walled city that you want, right? Yeah. You go to the right places. You talk to the right people. You kind of stay in your lane. You, know, you don't deviate. You don't invite those possibilities. You don't invite other ideas. And it's very it's very easy. And there will be lots of there's with and to your point with YouTube. The opposite is true too. Plenty of support yeah. for your existing ideas, for your existing trains of thought. Start yeah. clicking on Facebook. Start right. clicking on Donald oh, Trump yeah. stuff oh, on Facebook. Yes. You'll never... <laughs> now, folks, <laughs> Facebook is where all the real news comes from. Yes. So make sure yes. you scroll through your Facebook feeds. That's real news. We have, a, we have a message from our sponsor. So at Meta and Facebook... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sheryl Sandberg would like to tell you. Um, but it's true. And, and the opposite is true though. If you're open-eyed, if you're if you're seeking enlightenment, if you're seeking, you know, truth is a. I, I've come to the conclusion, and I'd like your thoughts on this. I've come to the conclusion that truth now becomes subjective. You know, I grew up in a, in the you know again construct of truth that this is what's true and everything and these things are not, what have you. And now you have so many people positing truth and peddling truth or claiming, proclaiming truth or whatever. It almost seems like, well, everyone's truth is a little bit different, but you can't tell them that their truth isn't true. Right. You can't tell them that their truth isn't true. So whose truth is true? And to me, I, the only thing I can come up with is, well, I guess I have to pay attention to what's real because I don't know sometimes, well, what's true because that guy is grounded in his belief of truth. I can't say otherwise. So I just have to look at from a 30,000 foot view of what's 
what's real, what I can discern as being as being real. So, what are your thoughts on well, on, on the know, problem? How do we how do we come to some conclusion of? It depends on who. Sure. It depends because there are. I mean, there are philosophies that say truth is subjective. I think, you know, if somebody out there can fact check this, me, I think Schopenhauer, who, who influenced Nietzsche, was, you know, truth is truth is all in your head, and so your truth is different than my truth. Um, so there there are thoughts out there that I, I don't necessarily believe. That. I think there are there are some some basic foundational truths, absolute truths. I, now. At what level are they at? I mean, I used to say, well, of course there are, because we can we can shoot a we can land a rocket on Mars where exactly we want it, a, a little lander. So that's you can't do that unless there's an absolute truth. But the my what I'm understanding now, and again, if anybody's out there, fact check this. Even that is, it's not necessarily that there that it's it's. I mean, it's close enough to be, we can do it. There's there's close enough precision, but still. I mean, you've got quantum mechanics. You've got, uh, you know, I mean, uh, rel- general relativity. I mean, they don't add up. So what's true? Quantum mechanics? Or, I mean, there's a lot of questions out there. But I think that, like, f- for me, so is it objective or subjective? I don't know. So I just probably con- convoluted it a whole lot more. <laughs> but, but, But really, I think that Things are close enough to where we can. There are some truths that we probably can establish. I don't think that it's possible to establish the truth about, um, you know, the existence of a god. You can't establish a truth either way on that. Um, you can't establish a truth either way about anything metaphysical about anything um, that's not here. I mean, you can look at. I mean, we can. You and I can sit here and say this table is a solid. That's a truth. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe somebody can come and say, well, you know, there's more air in that table <laughs> right. because of the way the atoms and right. electrons, you know, and there's more it's air. All in your heads. Yeah, well, what's the definition of solid then? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I don't know. And, and I, here's what, but, but I think we can't, I mean, we have to have, uh, you know, we, we get, okay, well, the table, this is solid. Everybody touch this table. We're going to all agree that that's mm-hmm. solid. That's the truth. That, that is our truth. That's solid. So a lot of the de- you know a lot of determination of truth probably is definitional, mm-hmm. where we decide that we are going to all agree that this is solid. And then you have the one guy come along. No. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so yeah. then is it then is it like we're going to go with a preponderance of evidence? Yes. Is it a preponderance? Like uh, fifty-one <laughs> people say right. it's solid, so mm-hmm. that's the truth. I don't I don't know, but. So I think to some extent we do need to be respectful of, uh, especially when it comes to religion and ideas and thoughts that there is no way to determine or settle a truth mm-hmm. on that. And so, but I mean, kind of getting back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, as far as it's concerned with each of us individually, I think we all have the ability individually to determine our truth. Like, okay, you know, you look at it and you establish that this is, I believe this. And then you go, you live your life in alignment with that. And I think that is such a powerful, and, I, and I'm learning that now too, is like you don't live your life in alignment with a set of rules made by somebody else. Mm-hmm. You determine what works for you. And I, I say the word works, and I would say that it's just, and it's, and it's tied to you, who you are. You have an understanding of who you are in the core. And you understand that. And now you go live your life in according to that. And maybe while you're living your life, you're making the decisions that are in alignment with that. Then all of a sudden you 
and it, it, it takes a lot of work because you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to develop the sensitivity to like, that doesn't feel right, so I'm going to go over here now. And, and, and I think that's the right way to go through life. Yeah. So I, I'll say this. I think, getting back to the, the overarching theme of the poem itself, is that I was that guy in the Wall Street of Certainties, as you were, as I think, as I think most of us have been or, or currently are yeah. in our lives. And I'm the guy now that luckily survived the siege and I'm better for it. I'm the guy now that I was in that city. I was I was hurling. I was sending arrows out of the walls. I was throwing boulders. I was whatever to keep these guys at bay. And even though they had, they they looked well fed and they looked like they had you know all the the great amenities of a of a great civilization and and uh, seemed very clever. I still wanted them at bay to keep them at bay. Yeah. They were dangerous to me. And now having been conquered by them. By yourself. By myself. Having allowed the walls to just come down. Having opened the, the gate, if you will. And allowing them in. I find that all they wanted to do was to bring their progression. Bring their ideas. Bring their technologies. Bring their art. Their literature. Whatever it was. To us. And we were trying to reject them. And we were trying to push them away. And now, I'm so grateful they did. I'm so grateful that I'm here and now those possibilities have, have, have laid siege and have toppled my walled city of certainties. Think about it this way too, though. Um, yeah, because just because, I mean, you resist them, I guess the point I'm trying to, like for me, I, I read this and I think, you know what? So these possibilities are, in siege warfare, man, these guys are taking it to me. And I used to, like you said, I'm, I'm resisting them or I'm just huddling behind my big tall walls. You know, kind of, I mean, I think I could probably take my poem, Forgotten Walls, in this poem and kind of, you know, synthesize them, analogize them together and, and make a, uh, you know, another poem. But just because... There, those possibilities are blasting at your walls doesn't mean that you have to accept them, but you can still op just open the gate, mm -hmm. you know, rather than letting them tear your walls down, open the gate, let them come in. Send a messenger out, like, yeah. in, the Parlay. Movie, like in the movie Troy, send the guy out, yeah. you know, to just kind of, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So did he get his head cut off? You bring him? Yeah, I think he did. But, but still, you know, it's, it's worth a good a faith. It's good faith. I mean, you never know. But, you send the guy out and you at least, let's dip our toe in the pool. Let's find out what these people are about, why they're here. What do they really want? And I think that's the thing too, is sometimes we look at these possibilities or we look at these other ideas as, as fundamentally evil or bad. But when you, when you consider, what do they really want? Mm -hmm. What is their why? Why are they here? What, what can they, what are they trying to bring me? Well, maybe it's not bad. Maybe it's not evil. Maybe it's, maybe they're only, hurling boulders at my walls because I'm resisting. And maybe if I wouldn't resist, I would be better off. And, and maybe though you let them in and it's like, you know what? I'm happy where I'm at. Mm -hmm. I've, and, and what you gain by that is now you, and I think what my experience has been like when I, when I'm resistant to that, I do, I, I, I close up and 
and, and I think that that, I think that do, the process of doing that um, makes you dumber. And I know that sounds funny to say, but I think it does. I, I think it, it's, it, it, you, you get intellectually um, lazy or dishonest, maybe. Well, that or or uh, stunted, intellectually stunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than letting these ideas come in, and then you can analyze them, and then you know what? If you if if if, if your walled city, if that is maybe that's going to get stronger, and you're going to have more confidence in it, and you can stand up stronger. And that you can respond to people who attack you on it. Because now, instead of just hunkering down um, and just saying, you know, this is where I'm going to draw the line. This is it. I can't, I, can't, I can't give way here. Well, okay. It's just, then it's, you will be subjected to, be, to, to siege warfare the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You are never going to get away from it. Because I think my, my experience has been is that I am intellectually curious, and I think most people are, and that's kind of scary. And and so you, but so you're gonna, me. I would spend the rest of my life, like hunkering lower and lower down until I'm not letting anything in, and I'm just a shell. Like I, I, I think of, and that's what like I just finished that book, uh, The Myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus, and he he would call that philosophical suicide where. You, you know, there's more nuances to it, but generally speaking, that would be philosophical suicide where you take a set of beliefs, you adopt it. It's an external set of beliefs. And you adopt that because you're afraid of the reality of existence. Mm -hmm. And so rather than facing that reality and like working through it, you just, kind of like Kierkegaard's leap of faith, you leap into... So Kierkegaard's leap of faith is the antithesis of Camus' um, um, The Absurd right. Man. Um, and so you have now, you've, you've adopted this external construct that's, by the way, I want somebody to count how many times we've said construct in this episode. <laughs> is this the Matrix? Um, we are kind of alluding to a red pill. We really are. Here. We really are. Yeah, take the red pill. But, you know, I'll tell you what, in that movie, I think it'd be crazy to, was it the blue pill that woke you up or the red? Red pill woke you up. Yeah, I think it'd be crazy to take the red pill because it's such a bleak existence. Oh, terrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Just stay in the matrix. Stay in the matrix. That one guy <laughs> who was wanting to get back in, he had it right. Just went about it the wrong way. But anyway, um, so when we adopt those external constructs and say, this is going to be my, my belief system because it gives me meaning. I think we need to find meaning. I think we need to understand the meaning. For me, and I should, I should speak for myself. For me, my life is much richer when I take information, when I take these different ideas, and I analyze them, and I weigh them, and I look at them, and I think, you know what? This, I'm drawn here. That's in alignment with who I am. Now, my meaning is mine it's not something that somebody else gives me like don't tell me what my meaning is and that's a hard thing to do and you know and i and i always i want to always emphasize this that i think there are good reasons to take that external Mm -hmm. because when i was a kid i needed it because i didn't have the capacity to maneuver through my life as a 10 year old boy when my mom died 
I needed that. Yeah. And so it was good. But you have to graduate from it. You do. And I think getting back to the idea of the identity, right? So are your, belief, are your beliefs, are your ideas there because it, it's congruent with your identity that you're afraid to be something that you can't, you can't not be this thing, whatever it is. If it's, maybe it's your, uh, you know, ethnic heritage, maybe it's your culture, maybe it's your religion, um, maybe it's your ideology. Maybe you're a Boston Red Sox fan. Maybe you're a Red Sox fan. Sorry, unfortunately. Well, I, I can't speak. I'm a, I'd say Dodgers I'm a Diamondbacks fan. fan, so I, you know, oh. it's just it's always it's always bad. Always but, uh, bad. Yeah. Um, and I, so now I need to let other ideas in. Maybe Giants, Yankees, Dodgers, Giants, yeah, Giants. not the Dodgers. Giants. Yeah. I'm kind of like the Padres lately. Looking yeah, at the Padres. It's a good neutral site. Anyway, but again, getting back to I think I think. So much of, I know for me, uh, a big part of, of, of this, of breaking out of this, was um, just my identity. Yeah. So I, that fear of that, of that, this is who I am, and I can't be anything else. And what would I be? If, if, if not this, what would I be? And that's hard. That's hard for, for all of us. I think we want to, and that's why I think we gravitate. We're Trumpers, or we're, you know, uh, Let's Biden's clarify that. Why some people are Trumpers. Some people, right. Some people are Wait, Biden. We're not, yeah, we're not. That's right. Some people, right, yes. Thank you for the clarification. Are, we want to belong to something, right? We're tribal. Right. We're human. Right. We're tribal. We want to belong to things. We want to belong to something. We want to say, that's my person. That's, I follow her. I follow him. Um, I agree with her. I agree with him. Um, you know, I subscribe to this belief system. I'm this religious label, whatever it is. And so I think that's such a big part of, of our, uh, where, how we construct these walls is by putting our, you know, these labeling ourselves, right? As this is who I am. And it, it is, it's a hard, it is a hard shift to make. It's a hard shift to, to feel like, well, I don't necessarily subscribe to any particular thing, but I'm, I'm open to ideas and I'm still building my my belief system will continue to evolve and continue to be open to, to new ideas. But I think that's, it is, it's a hard thing. It's a difficult thing yeah. for us to do. Well, I, Brene Brown says, you know, and I think I may have said this at the beginning, but don't ever abandon yourself to fit in with some, with a group because you will not, you're going to lose doing that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, on a kind of on a practical level, if, if you are a, a, a if you're identifying with a group, if you're saying, I, this is where I'm going to be, just because you want to belong to something, you're ripe for manipulation. I mean, I, I, just, I just finished volume one of uh, The Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And I, I talk about this all the time when I talk about the subject because you know, he talks about how these, these normal people, I mean, you hear this with the Nazi argument as well. How could you become like that? How could you do that? Well, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. You just have to, you know, be scared and align yourself with, with this group. And then you kind of fall in line. And if you don't have a grasp, and, and that book is amazing because he, there's a few people he talks about who knew who they were. And they would go in front of these panels, these, these kangaroo courts, and... Um, they would not admit to anything. They would not confess. And they took it. They took it. There's, he uses a couple of men, a couple of women who did this. And then he uses these examples of these, you know, this prosecutor who was prosecuting all these people and just, I mean, killing everybody, everybody. 
And then all of a sudden he gets on Stalin's bad side and he doesn't stand strong because he has no identity. His identity is built up in the Soviet um, communist, mm-hmm. communism and he just falls apart and he's just like a baby, just like blubbering idiot trying to save his life. He has no integrity. And so um, I think it's important for, for that reason. I think we need to know who we are so that we can make a stand and that we don't just get jerked around by this, you know, whatever ideology or whatever ideas that people are throwing at you that you can say, you know what, I know who I am and that is not in line with that. So I'm not going to go there. And you have the, the, the strength to stand for who you are. And it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. And I don't know if you've ever asked asked yourself, question like this, but I have. I've, I've wondered if I grew up in the South, you know, in, in, in segregation South, right? Like Annabelle, Annabelle, even, even uh, you know, civil rights era South. Right. If I grew up in a, in a typical what, white Southern family, blah, 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 what would I have thought? How would, how would I have felt about segregation? Right. How would I have felt about civil rights? If, if I'm raised with these ideals, what would I have done in that situation? Where would I have lined up? And, and I like to think, I like to think that I would have, you know, hopefully, whether quietly or vocally, disagreed. I like to think that I would have been on the right side of history. But how do you know? And how do you know, you know, how much of that, again, from, from, from the cradle, you're brought up with these beliefs, this belief system, this, and you're in this society that they all tell you this is how things should be. It, it, so I admire, I admire the people of history who have gone against that. Yeah. Even back to you know, you, whether women's right to vote, whatever you you can you can name a, a litany of things. But where would I have lined up? Would would I have been open to those? Be open? Would I have been open to those ideas? And what would I, what would my choice have been? Where would I would have flying? Yeah. And so, and so, but when you ask that question of yourself and apply it to today and apply it to now, well, guess what? That's happening now too. Yeah. You just you don't know it yet. See it. You don't, you don't know exactly what it is. That's going to be something you'll look back on 30 or 40 or 50 years from now and say, man, you know, I think I had it wrong. I think I should have zigged when I, I was zagged you know? <laughs> or zag, whatever. I don't know. Anyway, but you get the idea. It's, 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 I don't, I don't want to look back and know that I, it, you know, we, we, we hear it and I, I've heard it from even like, uh, you know, I lost most of my family when I was uh, younger, but I remember uh, one of my grandparents saying about how they regretted decisions they'd made in their lives. She was a, uh, quite an alcoholic most of her life and, and talking about how she regretted the decisions that she made. And you know, and, and you felt, I felt terrible for her. And of course we all forgave her, but too little too late. And how did you not know yeah. for 40 years <clears throat> of your, of, of your life that you were really, you know, taking things out on your family, you were making all these really terrible choices and, 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 and bad actions. Um, it's, it's not good enough for us to, to get to that stage of life and look back and say, gosh, I had it wrong, but well, well, that's, that's too bad. You know, now, now is this opportunity 
going back to the poem where we're all being besieged by possibilities. We're all being besieged by ideas, new, new thoughts, new ideas, maybe even old ideas and old thoughts. But I guess my message or takeaway from the poem is, is don't dismiss them. Not saying you have to embrace, not saying you right, have to right. accept them, but don't dismiss them and be curious and be, um, I think one of the, for me, it's always, I will consider any idea. I'll consider it. But it um, doesn't mean I'm going to accept it. It doesn't mean right. that I'm going to. But you'll be respectful it. of the but people. I'll be respectful of it. And I'll respect your right. right to have that particular idea. And um, and that allows me to continue to, to learn and continue to grow. And you know what? Like, and I think that's a really good point because by doing that, like, like, so maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but, but I think the key, like to your question, like, like I do, I have asked myself, like if I lived like in the 50s and 60s, what would have been my response to the civil rights movement? Now, I, I've always thought too, like, oh, I'd be marching, you know, I'd be marching. Mm -hmm. Would I? I don't know. I, I'd like to think I would have. I, I think to get to that mindset though, to where you would, because you don't know, I mean, I think right now you can look around and you think, okay, I can kind of see in 20 years where they're going to look back and say, these were some issues. I can kind of see some of that stuff. I, I don't want to make it, but I don't want to make that decision because, well, I don't want to regret it. I want to make it that decision because I feel that that decision is right. And so, and I think so for me, and, and this is the part, maybe this is oversimplifying, but like, I want to know who I am and I want people to be respectful of me and my decisions that I make as long as I'm not out there infringing on other people's rights well, you know where my you know my rights end where your rights begin you know and so when I think about that and that's a generalization I think um, I th when I think about that I think all right so how do I handle this then so if I am so that I need to give uh, I'm working this through my head as I'm talking, so I'm having a hard time getting it out. But I need to be, res I need to give other people the same respect that I want. Mm -hmm. Like, I want you to respect my decisions, and so I'm gonna try to be respectful of you, because you are a human, you're important to me. I don't, regardless of where you're from, who you are, you're a human, and you do have these rights that are inalienable. That's, that's one thing I love about United States of America, the, found, the United States of America, the founding of it is that it's individual focused. It's you are we are all individuals. Our rights are inalienable, um, and it, you know it obviously takes some time to get that honed, and it's never going to be executed perfectly. But that principle, that idea, is true. And so I think, and again, maybe, maybe it's an oversimplification, but if we can take that in our interactions with other people, okay, you are. A human being, you are my brother or my sister. What you know? Who are you? Tell me who you are. Okay, I can respect that. Just don't steal my car. Or don't don't bust into my house and hit me over the head with a hammer. As long as you're not doing stuff like that, I mean, I'm gonna respect what you want. I mean, if yeah, I mean, if if who you are is somebody who breaks into someone house, someone's house and hits them over the head with a hammer, yeah, I gotta draw a line there. But you know, if who you are is different than me. Who am I to say that that's wrong? I'm not. 
anybody to say that that's wrong because I don't want you to look at me and say you're wrong in the way you're living your life. And so I, I think approaching it, uh, approaching life in that manner, approaching um, relationships in that manner, I think we can be sensitive to these issues, mm-hmm. not because we want to be on the right side of history necessarily, but because we want to be right now. 100%. So, and I think, I think in, in summarizing is the whole... That's my job, by the way, summarize. But you can do it this time. Stealing that from you. You can do it this time. I'm hijacking this podcast, <laughs> folks. Uh, but uh, to me, the, to me, the summary is that is from from this poem is to become as fully self-actualized as you can. Is to uh, become the the person that best exemplifies who you you know who you are who who you are inside. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the term gets thrown around a lot, live your best life, but it, there's a lot of truth to it, and it is. It's, it's fine, again, find, find the, 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 the manner of life, the, the, the belief systems, the whatever it is that, that allows you to fully express to the fullest extent of who you are, I think is, is, is what's most important, and that's my takeaway from the poem. So. Yeah, and I, 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 you know, I'd echo what you said, ditto, I'll just say ditto. But um, no, I. I, I movie ghost. <laughs> I, I. Oh, yeah, good, good, good callback. Chain melody. Oh, that's not a callback, but yeah, good, good. But I think you're right. It just, I would say, you know, work at being open to these, and don't, don't, know that it's okay to entertain these ideas, and and if, and I, and I really think it's important for people to do this, and I think that. Uh, um, talk to somebody about it. Mm-hmm. Talk, find somebody that you trust and say, listen, I kind of want to work my way into this. Have somebody there to help you and listen to you that you can lean on. It's so important to have somebody that you trust in anything that you do that you can share your feelings with. And I think that if you can find somebody like that and you can share these feelings with them and they can help you work through this because it's, Knowing who we are is vital to being our true selves. So, love it, man. Thank you. And uh, I, I, by no means am I any expert or, or have achieved any level of of uh, self actualization. Yeah, I'd never claimed you were. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows by this podcast, you know. Um, but you know what? A, a big shout out to you've had some great guests. I want to say you've had some some awesome guests. Special shout out to Aunt Cash. I was a house guest there a couple of times. This isn't the last episode ever, by the way. Good. Go ahead, okay. continue. Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> and I want to thank you uh, for your friendship. Uh, it's been been quite a ride, and uh, you know we've been separated by a lot of years and some distance, but it's just like we just picked it up like it was, you know, twenty five plus years ago. It's amazing, and uh, and congrats on your book. It's amazing. Thank you. Uh, I want you to know. Uh, I saw the note you wrote to me. Kind of brought a tear to my eye. Get a little bit choked up now, and uh, read through several of the poems. And you are a talent, my friend. You are extremely talented. And, Thank you. Uh, and uh, I appreciate. You. I'm glad that you're sharing that with 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 the world. Well, I appreciate that, and I'll just say that you've always been more than a friend. You've always been a brother, and that's you've always been somebody that I can confide in and trust. And it's always been a lot to me. So I. And it's been great to come down here and do this with you. Awesome. And I'm Thank looking you. forward to do our podcast about our, our podcast Elvis Presley movie, movie review. review. We'll, we'll do that in a little bit. It. Let's do it. 
and I'd just like to thank all of you guys out there who, who took the time to listen to today's episode and to those of you who took an opportunity to listen to other episodes. And, and if any of you have thoughts or comments you'd like to make, please, uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me at poetdelayed at gmail.com. And uh, until next time, remember that uh, I is I, uh, may I be I is the only prayer. So we will talk to you later. Thanks.